0: Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am Nate, and we are back! We had a nice little vacation in celebration of our last podcast. We have reformed with some new players. Julie's going to give Dungeon Mastering a try in her own campaign. Sandra is shifting back to her first love of vampire. For this game, we are introducing Robert and Claire. Claire is a Dungeon Master for Curse of Strahd. Robert DM'd for me once in a very compelling superhero game using mutants and masterminds. I think you will enjoy them. Other changes this season, we've decided to leave in more table talk, more non-sequitur jokes, so we'll be cutting out the post-episode bloopers reel that we usually put in the end. We have new music, but it's also from our podcast favorite, Todd Ferguson, and My Pet Machine. We're keeping the same logo designed by Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy. And lastly, we're shifting our storytelling themes. Instead of dark fairy tale and intrigue from campaign one, we're going more traditional. So traditional, in fact, that I'm drawing inspiration from some of my favorite modules from back in the day. Same world, same setting, same time frame, with the thorns still up. Today, you will encounter Sternheim, which is inspired by the work of John Terra from the Fighter's Challenge module, published in the early 90s. Last big thing to note is this time around, we've decided to experiment with an anti hero concept in the form of Robert's lawful evil zealot of the god of truth and law. You'll hear us navigate that to Maximum Table Fun. Okay, just north, on the outside of the Thorns. Our story begins. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master.
1: Hi, I'm Mandy, I play Buane the Cleric. Hi, I'm Claire, I play Creedon the Warlock.
2: Hi, I'm Robert. I'll be playing Xerus, the Arbiter of Truth.
3: Xerus, is that with a Z or an X? With a Z. Xerus. Great.
0: All right. Our campaign opens in the small town of Tuscan, a small border town. South of here is the province of Fenrir, a disastrous frontier where it is quite difficult to live safely. And to the north is the quite prosperous kingdom of Astragar. It's considered a faux pas for people not associated with the church to use the name of the saint. And so instead of calling it Astragar, they call it the Northern Kingdom. Our scene opens with our three soon-to-be heroes, we assume, in front of a stone cottage. It is an administrative building in the city of Tuscan, managed by the church and managed in particular by a gentleman named Grimble Tanglebeard. As the door swings open, a portly 400-year-old dwarf, truly ancient man, hobbles out and says, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come in, come in, come in, come in. The other group is almost here, too. Please, enter. And the three of you are ushered into an office. It has two benches, one on each side of a big desk. And Grimble points over at one of the benches and says, sit down right there.
2: I have a seat and smile. Excellent.
0: Now, let's see. Where's the, where's the rest of them? And he walks over to the window and throws it open and looks out and says, out there get, get over here. Get over here. Waves. And after about a minute or two, three other adventuring folk wander in. You can tell they're adventuring folk because, like yourselves, they are armed to the teeth and armored. In walks three individuals, and they sit down on the bench across from you. Grimble says, all right, here's what I need. We're uh, we're going to do some jobs. And just so happens, as I am the liaison between the Northern Kingdom and the province, that all of the provinces are asking for help at the same time. So we're going to need to divide and conquer a little bit. So we have your two groups here. Since you're going to be working together, I think it's time we introduce ourselves. I'm going to start with the other bench here. You kids hang out for just a second. It'll be fine. And he points over to these three people sitting across from you. The first one is a woman who appears to be in her mid-twenties. She has Karen hair. A dyed blonde that's pardoned with
1: hairspray
0: into a helmet, almost.
1: Medieval hairspray?
0: Yeah, her Renaissance-era <laughs> hairspray. It's
1: really just some kind of, like, lard. It's Trump probably like egg whites.
3: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Eight whites and flour.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> and she says, I am Chastity Sultan, cleric of Brother Ambition and leader of this group. I keep these gentlemen in line. And she gestures over. The person next to them is this incredibly tall, lanky, skinny person. Imagine a way too tall teenager. He leans forward and says, Max Killinton You can call me Max Kill. I don't have any divine affiliations.
1: I sit up straighter.
0: (laughs) And the third person on the bench has a straight up 90s black emo haircut spiked in the back, folded over one eye.
1: I sit up so much straighter.
0: (laughs) And he just blows the hair away from his face for a second. It falls back into place. And Max, who is standing next to him, says, That is Dread Zero, (laughs) our infiltrator. And he looks over at Dread, and Dread just nods, and he says, And I guess he's good at crochet and stuff, too. Uh, Whatever. And Grimble says, All right. And the name of your mercenary band is? And Chastity puts her hand to her face and says, Fine, tell him. And Max says the sharp edge of the pub (coughs) and grimble does not really react as he writes this down and max seems somewhat disappointed at which point grimble looks across at you all and says well introduce yourselves please give us a brief description of what your character looks like and then introduce them in character
1: you see a young about 20 year old human woman with pale skin and long black hair and very dark clothes stand up and Toss her hair over her shoulder a little bit. She also has a rainbow, glittery, heart-shaped wand on her belt that sticks out like a sore thumb over her outfit. And she'll say, Hey, I'm Creedon. It's nice to meet you. What was it? Max and Dread?"
0: Dread nods, and Max looks tough.
3: <laughs> cool. Boulane does not stand. She stays seated. She is a drow, so she has slate gray skin, and... Very thick, long, white hair that she keeps in a loose braid. And she has two different colored eyes. One eye is yellow and one eye is orange. And she says, my name is Boulane," and doesn't say anything else.
2: The large human stands up, his head haloed by a double-bladed axe with the scales of justice etched into the blade. I am... Xeris Avalkar, but the Sister of Truth, and he sits down.
0: Oh, well, good. And uh do you have a, a name for your mercenary band? I know I just approached you about this, Xeris, uh, you know, two <laughs> days ago. Thank you for pulling together a three-man team. What would you like to call yourselves?
1: <laughs> Let's call ourselves the Black Rose or something. Something cool. We've got to come up with something cool.
0: The Dark Arbiters.
1: That's pretty cool. <laughs>
3: boolain gives a nod of assent to that (laughs) dark
0: arbiters it is and you see max looks simultaneously impressed and also sad that he did not think of this name
1: (laughs) i cross my arms in a gloating way
0: Mm -hmm. grimble opens his desk up and pulls out four parchments of paper and sets them on the desk and says all right so as you know Olfenrir, the province that I am overseeing administratively, has five cities. The essentially free trade hub of Turtle Bay is out of my jurisdiction. I am helping with administer the other four. Each one, of course, has its own mayor and its own church officials, etc. So I don't have to do a lot, but they have sent us, well, requests for aid. And, of course, there's four of them, and they all have a problem right now, I guess. So. He flops down these four pieces of paper and says, All right, uh, let's see here. The first job, all right. The uh, acting mayor of Northank, Arch Sage Mason, has apparently had some sort of disagreement with his apprentice, who has stormed out and is now missing. Archsage Mason, of course, a holdover from the previous kingdom. Not really church-affiliated and not on great terms. I say we do that one last, huh? He flips it over and slides it across the desk. Pulls out another one and says, All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, uh, A much more interesting version. Supposedly, this one says, From Val Rictus, mayor and guard captain of Sternheim. Val says that there is a band of hostile centaurs? Seems suspect, but a band of hostile centaurs is apparently harassing Sternheim. So uh, that's job number one, possibly. Job number two? All right. The Temple of the Luminous One, God of the Sun, has requested a artifact from the Saint Astra, a paladin who liberated, let's say, Palmville. Head to his temple, grab the Rod of Astra, return it here, and I will have it shipped up north. Apparently they've sent three or four requests to Palmville and Palmville has ignored them with no response.
2: Just to be clear, sir, did you mean the radiant one or the luminous one?
0: I'm sorry, the radiant one. God of light.
2: Bless his rays.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And then the third. Well it's really the fourth job, but we're gonna put we're gonna put the old arch sage on hold, huh? Whiny apprentice problems. Alright. Oh from my great nephew, Chester. Good old Chester. Haven't seen him in two hundred years. Uh, anyway, Chester Tanglebeard is the current mayor of Highlock. He has a labor dispute. That's all it says. I don't know what the hell he wants. But those are the jobs, folks. What do you want?
3: So, centaurs, delivering a relic, and a labor uprising.
0: Yeah, unless you're really excited about the uh, missing apprentice who apparently quit on our high and mighty archsage.
1: I say we go for the relic. Seems seems like the least work.
2: It's also better for travel. The trouble in Highlock will be requiring us to go through Palmville anyway.
3: Yeah, true. So you want to take two jobs? What a go-getter. <laughs> We're going to have to travel
2: through either North Bank or Palmville to get to Highlock either way.
3: All right.
0: And no matter what, you'll travel through Sternheim just so you know. And Chastity leans in and says, I think we want to get the relic. It sounds expensive.
1: But you don't get to keep it.
0: I believe we spoke first. Oh, is that? Okay, well, if that's how this works, then maybe I'll just speak first in the future.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you do
0: that.
2: Don't let your ambition get too out of hand.
0: (sighs) Yeah, I'll I'll work on that. Max says, you know, I hear centaurs are really badass. You want to like... Fight some centaurs, Dread, and Dread just blows the hair out of his face again. I think that was a yes. So Grimble leans in and says, "All right. It sounds like Sharp Edge of the Pub (laughs) is headed to Sternheim, and he slides a sheet of paper across. And I believe the Dark Arbiters are headed to Palmville." And I guess, if it's just as simple as picking that relic up, you could head down to Highlock. I'll give you these two. The art Sage can wait. Maybe another mercenary band will come along and help him. And he slides you two pieces of paper, which he hands to Zerus.
2: I accept them. Sounds like a plan.
1: Wait, so so we're going to be helping with the labor uprising as well? Yeah. I'll tell you what.
0: You see if you can work out this artifact, and then, you know... If it's as simple as just they didn't want to send it, maybe you can just send a messenger with this Rod of Astra and head on down to Hylock.
3: Have we heard of the Rod of Astra before? Do
0: we know anything about you it? You can roll a history roll. You can also roll religion if it is better, but uh, one or the other. It
3: is better. 15 religion.
0: Okay. Does anyone else want to roll that?
3: I'll roll history.
2: I did, but I scored a 7.
0: Okay. Mm, 13. With a seven, you have heard of Astra. It is one of the most common names, and so there are numerous paladin astras and numerous saint astras in the 500-year history of this empire. It's the equivalent of naming someone John. (laughs) (laughs) With a 13, you, Creeden, seem to remember a, a tale of one of the main paladins who came into Old Fenrir when this environmental disaster occurred was named Astra, and he essentially liberated Palmville from some threat. Mandy Boulain actually remembers some of the details here, and there's a reason you remember this. It is highly against the practices of the Northern Kingdom to raise the dead. Mm-hmm. And when Paladin Astra arrived in Palmville, the local priests of death overseeing their crypts had raised the dead and were using a zombie army to try to defend the city from the beasts that come out of the thorns. Apparently, diplomacy did not work, and Astra ended up cleansing all of these undead and retiring in Palmville but his tomb is there.
3: Is this a historical scandal in the Silent Judge history? I mean, that that sounds pretty dicey.
0: It is a bit of a scandal. They were, in theory, Silent Judge priests who decided to raise the dead as a last effort of defense, and it apparently offended some people. Okay.
1: Okay, so Palmville is where the relic is? Yes, And where was the labor dispute?
0: Highlock. Okay, so trying to keep it straight. Nate the Dungeon Master will chime in here to let you paint a little map in your head. Fenrir is this triangular-shaped country, but bulging out of the middle of it is this massive circle of thorns that swallowed its original capital and most of its available farmland. What's left is on the periphery, a north, south, east, and west town. And clear to the south on the coast, there is a fifth actual city that is a big bay called Turtle Bay, which has a big turtle skeleton in the bay. Very exciting. But basically, you'll go down to the top of this circle where you will hit Sternheim, and then you will go east around the circle to Palmville, and then you will continue south to Highlock.
1: Okay, so the thorns in the center are impassable. Yeah.
0: So far, no one has found a way in or out of them or across them or anything. Good to know. <laughs> and all of the animal life around the thorns has been badly mutated into monstrous creatures Ew. of incredible dangerousness. Gross. So Grimble says, all right, I think we got a plan. You guys deal with some centaurs. You folks deal with a, a rod of Astra, whatever that is. And if you have time, head down and uh, check in with my, my, my nephew see what's up with that uh, labor dispute.
2: Sounds great, sir.
0: One question.
2: I am concerned that our current stock will not hold the whole trip. Is there a small stipend we could receive?
0: Ah, yes. Well, that brings me to the matter of pay. So each job pays, of course, 25 gold pieces per individual. That piece of paper you're holding is solved that's 25 gold i'm gonna go ahead and give you a uh, an advance on that though but i'm only going to give you an advance for one piece of paper out of fairness and he passes each of you a small bag that has 10 gold coins in it but he does the same to the other three people across from you chastity the woman with the helmet hair gathers up all three of the bags for her team and puts them in
1: her pocket <laughs>
0: Ours will be distributed equitably. Thank you. All right. There is a trade caravan leaving. If you want to go with them, you're certainly welcome to. Safety in numbers or take your time. The trade caravan leaves in the morning. That gives you a little bit of time. Or you could head out now. It's up
3: to you. The looks at Zeros and says, what do you think?
2: I would like to travel sooner than later, I think.
1: Oh, does that mean I'm going to have to camp? You were going to have to camp anyway well yeah but it's different when like there's wagons and stuff
3: because you can sleep next to a wagon whatever it's fine yeah let us leave tonight
0: max says what do you what do you think chastity we we could go ourselves too like you know and, and like tough it out with the the monsters and the beasts and chastity's like no we'll wait for the caravan we can probably convince them to pay us as well if we uh fight something off and Gribble says, all right, well, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So uh, let me uh, let me get you out of my house. Well, my office anyway. And he stands up and starts shuffling you all six out into the hallway.
2: May the truth find blessing in your deeds, good sir.
0: Yes, as is always. And uh, may uh, may Divine Hammer bless you in all of your intellectual pursuits.
2: I shall need the creativity.
0: And he closes the door behind him. So this is a small administrative building and there's a couple people running around. They look like mostly pages, although because this is a theocracy, they're probably clerics. They're wearing robes and whatnot. One of them comes striding up to Claire's character and says, excuse me, are you Samantha?
1: It's Creedon, but I think you have the right person.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, and who are you? Oh, sorry, I didn't get to introduce myself to everybody. I'm Samu Eliard. I'm a, I'm an old professor from well, I'm retired now, and I publish a little uh, newspaper. I'm a newspaper publisher now.
1: I don't talk to the press.
0: Oh. Okay.
1: What do you want?
0: Uh, well, I, could I see you in my office real quick? I got a, a little proposition for you. I, I, um, I'm i looking for stories to to publish and want to give you an idea of what I'm looking for.
3: Uh, Short conversation. It'll be fine. I guess. Would you like company?
1: Yeah, I, I, I need my, my bodyguard and awesome friend Blaine here with me, so can we all come with you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, whatever. And Samu turns around and says, Max! Maxie! Looking good, buddy! And Max flashes him two big thumbs up. And you see that group of three walk away.
2: Bodyguard, huh? Alright.
3: Just go with it! (laughs) (laughs) Awesome friend. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Samu takes you into a little office, and it's covered in basically newspaper prints that have all been pinned up, and pictures of people that are hand-drawn, and bits of twine that go from string to string, and these elaborate boards, and he turns around and says, All right, so here's the deal. I work for a faction of the church. You've probably met members. We're in good standing. Obviously the chalice. Uh, We believe that some gods guide us in better directions than others. And that the church should therefore embrace them and maybe start spending a little less time on some other ones. We don't need to get into philosophy. What we do need to say is, I'm paying for dirt. You bring me dirt, I pay. Every story I pay directly for, I'll publish it, I can use your name or not, it's up to you. You decide.
1: How much we talk it?
0: Fifty gold pieces a story.
1: What will you do with this dirt.
0: I will make a wonderful article using my incredible talents as a writer, and then I will tell everyone who will listen.
2: Why would you concern yourself with the will of the gods? It's made clear through what we do and what happens.
0: See, I have this opinion that some of the gods' teachings are better than others. And I would like to influence society to think my way. And they'll do that if, perchance, they find out about all the various screw-ups that, well, our, our various clergy have, have done and will do in the future.
3: So which gods are the correct gods and which gods are the screw-ups?
0: Well, no, okay, that's a little bit of a... Uh, now you're twisting my words. Okay, now I'm not saying that there are bad gods. I'm just saying there are modern gods who are Divine Hammer and Divine Mercy, all about uh, creating a brighter future. And then there are, like, old stodgy gods who are about things like, you know, death and psh, other unsavory topics.
3: You cannot be brooking with death.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just saying, why would you, why would you, why would you spend time as a society, focused on death, when you can spend time as a society focused on advancement. But
2: as a society, we don't focus on death. We have ten gods.
0: True. And I think we should focus on about three, and
3: shove six off
0: to the side-ish.
3: So if you ignore death, you're hoping it will go away?
0: No, no, no. No, death needs to, I mean, so death has its place. It needs to exist. But I I don't think we should, like, write into our laws. This got way too philosophical. All right. Look, let's get, I just want to restate my, my needs here. You bring me dirt. Bring you dirt
2: on the clergy. Yes. And you pay.
0: And I pay. 50 gold a story.
2: But not if it's clergy of the hammer or mercy.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'll pay though for that, too. Let me let me, let me be very clear. <laughs> when the church messes up, I'm there. I stick my nose in it, and then I tell everybody about it. And over time, we change our behaviors and we, come, we become better.
2: It's a wonder you've kept your nose.
0: Yeah, well.
1: I could maybe get behind that.
0: I may not be very popular. Maybe that's why I find myself in Tuscan. But, uh, you know, I do what I can.
1: Well, we know what he needs. We can always, you know, choose what we share. So, yeah, we'll let you know.
0: Great, great.
1: Or not. It's up to us.
0: He opens the door and says, all right, well, I will uh, await your intelligence.
3: I do not believe we properly introduced ourselves. You know, Samantha. Credence. <laughs> This is Zerus, who affiliates with the Sister Truth, and my name is Boulain. I am a traveling mortician and a priest of the Silent Judge.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah, so you, you guys have promise faction written all over you, I guess. Which I suppose is why I started off with Creeden here. You seemed, I don't know, younger and more impressionable. <laughs> <laughs> Look!
1: Hey, who are you calling impressionable? Thank you
3: for your
1: honesty.
0: <laughs>
2: Actually... Like I said, the will of the gods is in my actions, not in any philosophy.
0: Ah, uh, well, maybe, maybe you're fated, faction. Look, here's the deal, guys. I, we don't need to have any more philosophical conversations. I pay for dirt. You're bound to run into it. The province is full of corruption. Just bring me the evidence, and I will ensure justice is done.
3: Indiscriminately.
0: That's what the man said. And he opens the door to let you out. I leave
3: Elaine walks right out too.
1: <laughs> I walk out as well. I'll say, you know that that labor dispute job might be a good place to get some dirt, bringing down the man and all of that. bringing down the man well, you know like the the laborers are probably uprising for a reason. they're probably being mistreated, and you know I'm just saying it might be that might be a place to look. And everybody can agree that the workers deserve to be treated right. Well, maybe not everybody can agree that, but ah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe they suck. But we'll go find out.
2: We
3: could certainly ask questions when we get there, Creedon. We'll have a stop on the way, though. I have heard of this staff of Astra, or... Mace of Astra, or Club of Astra. Rod. Rod of Astra. (laughs) I've heard of it so much, I know exactly what it's called. I have heard of this Rod of Astra. I remember when it was in use. When was that? About 80 years ago, when the Thorns first came up around Fenrir. There was a... Something of a scandal among the silent judge priests. They raised the dead to defend against the creatures coming out of the thorns, which is anathema to us. It must have been very desperate of a move. And the paladin Astra came with his rod and saved the town. Nice. Um, The paladin Astra ...saved the town and cured the undead problem and also settled there.
2: Any indication of what the rod actually
0: did? Does she know? No. The rod must have been something he carried and was buried with.
3: I imagine the town is slow to let go of such an important relic, and that might be why they have not responded to the call to give it up. Hmm.
2: Well... We shall collect
0: it. So, you folks can basically head out with your supplies. As you head south towards the town of Sternheim, things start to get a little bit more dangerous. The closer you get to the Thorns, the more potentially devastating the environment in which you are trying to move through. So, by the time you get into sight of Sternheim, sternheim used to be a small trading village it is now it looks like a fort they have built giant wooden ramparts and and spikes around the outside of it forming a walled town who is in the lead can roll me a survival check
1: i feel like xeris would be in the lead all right i mean that's my guess
3: you're probably right
1: unless creedon is the run ahead type oh no requisite. absolutely okay. not
2: <laughs> but survival's not
1: i'm gonna stand behind the
2: big
3: guy when he gets scary <laughs> <laughs> i have bodyguard for a reason <laughs> All right.
2: we got lucky 19
3: robert
0: xeris recognizes game trails as you're walking and there are a few places where you realize you need to be much more careful because the game becomes much more violent as you get closer and closer to the thorns. So you're able to avoid a few patches of area that just looks suspect. There's probably some big predators in the area.
1: The most dangerous game. Mm -hmm.
0: And you arrive basically just as night is falling at the village of Sternheim. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly by going to my spelling. Sternheim. Sternheim is not bustling. It looks desperate and militant. So as you walk into town, most people are armed. There's a lot of people in armor. There's torches that burn through the night. There are guards around the ramparts. And everybody is mostly facing south, the direction where the thorns are. You can't see them from the gates of Sternheim, but you can tell from everyone's posture They're incredibly dangerous. What would you like to do?
3: Find a place to stay for the night.
0: All right. There is one small tavern. Generally caters to trade caravans. And the trade caravan isn't due until tomorrow. So it's empty. Yes. You can find,
3: without a problem,
0: the inn.
1: I want my own room. It will
3: depend what it costs.
0: The inn is called the Sign of the Three Crowns. It costs five silver a night per room.
1: I mean, I will happily pay that for my own room.
3: (laughs) Bulane will pay for her own
1: room. Oh, god. I'm having a moment. Is it a hundred silver or ten silver per gold?
0: Ten silver Okay. This is not World of Warcraft.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's, that was my first fantasy exposure, so that's what my brain default goes to.
0: Mm -hmm. So, you head into the inn. The inn is called the Sign of the Three Crowns. There is a sign with three crowns. You can easily get one room for Creedon. Are you two going to going to bunk together or uh, get separate rooms?
3: Lulaina is going to get her own room.
0: Okay. Mark that beautiful five silver off. (laughs) Welcome to the mid-roll, and for this mid-roll, we're going to talk about world generation. This is going to be a series of mid-rolls, this one's step one. The first thing you do when you want to create your own world is to set some themes. These themes are your focusing lens. They act as your personal editor as you build your world. Standard D&D has about five themes that are listed on page 9 of the Dungeon Master's Guide in 5th edition. For example, the world is ancient. Whole civilizations have risen and fallen in eons from the past, leaving a largely unknown history to be discovered. Other themes include that there are active gods, the world is untamed or dangerous, there's conflict everywhere, and the world is filled with magic. You then, as the world's creator, validate these themes as your own and pick a few that are unique to your world. For Carrots and Suffering's first campaign, I chose two themes to add, which were Dark Fairy Tale and Political Intrigue. For this world, at the time, I only needed to define one kingdom, because the Thorns were holding everybody in. Because I needed a dark fairy tale, I needed a fairy curse from an evil fairy queen, and for political intrigue, I needed royal houses to oppose each other. My world was ancient and magical, so I made a very short thousand-year timeline of events, and brought us to our current conflict. My world was untamed, so the cursed mutations of the Thorns idea popped into my head, And the fact that it had a history of conflict meant I needed factions opposed to the fairy queens, and I decided it was the vampires. Now, at this point, my entire world, my entire campaign, is just a bulleted list of things I need to build and define, but that's step one. Now, of course, many DMs don't build their worlds like this, which I guess brings me to step zero. The best world is one that is actually made and then actually played. So do whatever you need to do to stay excited and make something cool. You don't have to take my advice, which reflects the inner workings of my brain. The best advice is the one you actually use. So go forth, create your world. I recommend starting with some themes. The inside of this tavern is bustling. A lot of the people who aren't fighters seem to come here at night to chat it up. So you see a really old gnome in the corner, see an elf hanging out in the back, there's two or three youngish people in their late teens, one of them seems to be strumming a stringed instrument, a few old farmers are in the back corner. You can do whatever you wish tonight, go straight to bed or uh, socialize.
1: I'm going to scope out the room and see if it looks like any two people are making googly eyes at each other.
0: Hmm. So you run into two possibilities here. Go ahead and roll me insight.
1: All right. Oh, that's a net 20, baby, <laughs> which is a 22 okay. total.
0: There is a woman on the prowl. She looks positively thirsty. She's young, probably 17 or 18, and she is staring down every gentleman who comes in, looking them from top to bottom. There is a quiet couple, so the potter's son is the enterprising musician in the corner, and he seems to have a thing for the baker's daughter. <laughs> but the baker's daughter seems to not really be um, reciprocating. It appears that the, the baker's family does not feel that this potter's son is actually worthy of their daughter's time.
1: Okay. I want to try to cast Prestidigitation to make that woman that looks like she's on the prowl smell really, really, really good.
0: (laughs) Nice. Go ahead and roll me Arcana.
1: All right. Oh, no. That's only a seven.
0: Seven. What smells seven good? (laughs) Mmm... Something floral, but just a little on the mossy side, I think, is what you come up with.
1: Mm. Fair. Like, flowers that are a little too old, so they get that funk to them. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That potpourri funk.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Aw, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, you can't say I didn't try. Divine Mercy may not be in her cards tonight. Belaine is going to get herself
3: a cup of ale or whatever the this place serves, and go to the table where the elf is sitting, and say, May I join you? You may. So she sits down and drinks for a moment and says, The town seems a bit on edge.
0: Yes. The centaurs, which are normally quite peaceful, have begun preparing for war, it appears.
3: And they are attacking Sternheim?
0: Unclear, but they have broken off all communications. I usually do business with them when they pass through the area. They're rather talented herbalists, and I am the apothecary.
3: Ah. I am Boulain. I am a mortician.
0: Ah. Well, this town is in need of a mortician. Perhaps when you're done with whatever errand you're running, you can come visit.
3: I once did a good trade as an itinerant mortician. I traveled around quite a lot, offering my services. Perhaps I might do that again.
0: Yes, well, I guess. Maybe there will be happier times by the time you come around. In the meantime, I would avoid the centaurs. They're uh, out west of town on the road to North Bank.
3: No idea why they became suddenly aggressive?
0: none Hmm. they've never done it before they travel through here every year they stay for six to eight weeks and something happened i guess
3: Hmm. how long have you lived here
0: me oh i i come and i go i don't so much live here as travel around this region i consider myself a a missionary
3: an apothecary missionary
0: (laughs) yes I happen to be staying in town as the healer and have been here for about 12 months. But most of the time I travel. I see. From village to village.
3: Well, we are moving on tomorrow, but we might pass back through here on our way back north.
0: Well, if you find yourself in need of healing potions and that sort of thing, come visit me.
3: I'm guessing healing potions are the full 100 GP. Yeah, they're expensive. Okay, yeah. During the Fenrir campaign, we decided they were cheaper because it was a depressed economy. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, no, they're
3: they're they much more they're expensive. Here. Yeah. Okay. All right. She will small talk with the elf for a bit. Okay. And and watch Creedon try to play matchmaker.
0: <laughs> for whatever that's working. Go ahead, Xeris. What do you need? I
2: will. I'll grab a nail. Find, hopefully, an empty table or corner. Sit down. Pull out a chess set. And just start playing chess by myself, half that, and half observing the room?
1: After I fail, can I join you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: After you fail, Creedon's about to turn to head over for a chess game. And the, the gal that you have pungented...
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ...seems to have taken notice of Zerus and is moving for your seat. Would you like to allow her to... Get in front of you, or do you want to jump in front of her for the chess?
1: I will absolutely
0: let her go ahead. So this woman comes sweeping in. She's dressed mostly like a farmer's outfit, basically. Humble peasant person's dress. Sits down across from you, Zerus, and says, My name is uh, Saritha. How um, how long have you been in town?
1: You see Creden from the bar, like, waving at you and giving thumbs up.
3: Boulain pinches the bridge of her nose. (laughs) Hi, Saritha.
2: I'm Zerus, and and I just arrived in town. Oh, good.
0: Good, good. I I, I love to meet new people. Say, it's kind of musky smelling in here. Do you smell that? (laughs) As you arrived, I did. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Do you want to get out of here and get some fresh air? We could go on a walk. All right. You've
2: talked me into it.
0: All right. Robert, what is Xeris' passive insight? Probably bad.
2: Uh, Give me a second. Uh, Passive insight's a 10, yeah.
0: 10. Okay, yeah. So she stands up and offers you her arm. Sure.
2: So, what temple do you pray at most often?
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't really pray much. It's not really my thing. I,
2: I mean... Well, Surely there's a God that's had more influence in your life than others.
0: You know, there really isn't. But, I mean, what would you recommend that a person like me be interested in?
2: Well, I don't know enough about you yet to really answer what God may call to you. Personally, I'm called to truth. But maybe Ooh. maybe you're called to ambition or to nature. Maybe yeah. that's it. You don't belong here in this, in this sprawl. You should be out among the trees with nature. Getting and communing with your deity who's actually guiding your life. That's why you find yourself so lost here. Go ahead and roll me persuasion. I would love to. Thought you'd never ask. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a strong come on. That
2: is a 19.
1: So you are
0: about to leave the front door. You're having this conversation. You get a step out and... She gives you a very strange look all of a sudden, and her demeanor shifts a little bit, and she says, You know what? You're right. And she lets go of your arm and says, You're right. I do belong out, out in nature, and not here.
2: May you find your path flowering beneath your feet.
0: Yes, I I will. Thank you. And she turns and goes to walk off by herself. Meanwhile, inside Boulain, you're sitting with this elf, when uh, Saritha walks out the front door with a gentleman, she becomes very alert and then stands up and says, give, give me just a, just a moment. I'll, I'll be back. We'll, we'll continue.
3: Is anything wrong?
0: Um, I hope not. Just a moment.
3: May I help? Um,
0: roll me persuasion. Ooh, 11. 11. She says, no, no, you're, you're new in town. I wouldn't want you to get caught up in the local drama.
3: Drama. Well, the drama is involving my companion.
0: Oh, is he with you? <laughs> well, here, let me just call him back in. He- he'll do better in here for the night. And she does a skip run <laughs> to the door and swings it open. And Xeris, you're standing there alone. Yep,
2: I'm headed back in to get back to my chess game.
0: You see this woman throw the door open, this elven woman. She gives this, she has this big sigh of relief all of a sudden and goes, ah. Ah, uh, I just needed some air. Uh, come, come on in. I'd love to.
1: When I see you walk back in, I just throw my arms up and order a drink at the bar. <laughs> I assume we aren't in America, right? So an, a 20-year-old can get a drink.
0: You can get a drink at any age in this bar. <laughs> yeah,
1: all right.
3: <laughs> they have a law if you can see over the bar top. <laughs> you,
0: can, you can drink and
1: they it. Have, they have <laughs> stairs for gnomes.
0: They have a law if you can pay the three copper for the really cheap booze, you can get it.
1: Do I actually need to track my copper for buying a drink? Is that tin? Uh, no, not, okay. not at this one.
3: Belang tilts her head to the side and looks at Zerus and and tries to figure out if there's anything missing.
0: <laughs> nope.
2: How, how close am I to Belang?
0: It's not
3: a huge inn.
0: It's full of people, but, you know, probably 15 feet with some people in between you.
2: Oh, okay. Then I'll just nod.
0: She shrugs. <laughs> All right. The elf will come back and sit with you again, Bulane, and there's a look of relief on her face.
3: That woman was going to rob him blind, was she not?
0: Oh, if he was very lucky. <laughs> very, very lucky.
3: Yeah, Boolain gives a side eye to Creedon.
1: <laughs> I just look at you and shrug, because I have no idea what's going on.
0: So, the bar is generally a, a hop in place for another probably two hours, and then people start to wander out.
1: I'll turn in.
3: Lulane will sit down for a game of chess with Zerus.
0: Ah, excellent.
2: <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get us some more ales and we'll, we'll play a game.
3: We'll play some games, yep.
2: This place reminds me too much of home. Too much? How so? Uh, I don't know that I can sleep in an inn in a town like this. I might have to find a barracks.
3: That is an unusual condition.
2: It's just so much like Janosh that... It's the military, the, the armor everywhere. Hmm. Well fortified. Less urban.
3: <laughs> I have never had trouble sleeping anywhere. Really.
2: Hmm. Well, it was kind of a... Mm, Spartan lifestyle there. I see. The beds are probably more to my liking in the barracks.
3: I mean... You could sleep on the floor if it would help.
2: It's something about the wool and the just enough
3: padding. I don't know. I
2: don't know the floor would work either.
3: Just too comfortable.
2: Hmm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that sounds awful.
2: <laughs> that was my thought. That was exactly my thought. Yeah.
3: She moves a piece on the board and she has this little frown on her face. like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well yeah anyway just a little nostalgic right now
3: it sounds like the centaurs may or may not be somewhat in our path should we take extra time and move around them tomorrow
2: if i'm not mistaken they're they're more towards the west and we'll actually be heading east as we leave we should be careful of course but hopefully we'll not cross their path we'll let uh Corner of the bar, take care of them, or whatever their name was. Corner of the bar.
3: <laughs> edge of the in something.
2: <laughs> it was actually sharp edge of the pub, but...
3: She says, I was given to believe that the woman you nearly left with was some trouble.
2: Oh, well, that's interesting to learn. She found her path with the green man.
3: The green man?
2: Mm-hmm. She seemed a free spirit, and so I thought maybe the wilderness was more suited to her than the urban militant lifestyle like this town may provide.
3: And she is headed out of town now? Is that where in the dark?
2: She seemed eager to start her journey.
3: Well, may she come back in one piece. Mm. She moves another piece on the board, so check.
2: Very well. A counter- i mean i'm proficient in this
3: you are proficient in this should we have a roll off
1: you gotta roll off (laughs) i am proficient in this you gotta see who wins
2: i have rolled a 20 for a total of 24
1: what skill skill is this nate
2: this is this is dragon chest proficiency
0: it's a it's a gaming set okay so if you're not proficient you can add your intelligence modifier, i think
3: she is not a great. Oh, she got an 18 though, so she held her own. Nice. <laughs>
0: it, it went fairly well, although it turns out that check was part of a trap, uh-huh. and you just <laughs> and ended up just made it really quickly. She just fell right into it,
3: and the game's over.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I almost picked chess as my gaming proficiency, but I don't think I'm that smart.
2: <laughs> mm, well, I'm a very odd character build.
3: <laughs> I think I think Boulain, She's she's been around long enough to get. Decent at chess, but yeah, she's never focused on it. You play well. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. (laughs) Unless you were making fun of me.
2: I'm not. I'm not. That was a good gambit to try.
3: Ah, well, I will try harder next time.
2: Maybe you'll best me, but I don't think either of us are too ambitious.
3: (laughs) We do not seem to be ambitious, no. If I was not hard up for some money, I would not be interested in doing these missions, but traveling again for the first time in a long time, well, I'm not used to it anymore.
2: I'm sure we'll find the coin you need.
3: Mm. I will turn in. Very well. Good night.
2: I'll be at the barracks.
3: I hope it is everything you wish it to be.
2: (laughs) It couldn't be anything else.
0: (laughs) You can find a militia barracks. There Mm -hmm. is one. And people are sleeping in shifts inside of it. I assume there's a free bed. There is. Nobody even really asks any questions, honestly. (laughs) If you pop in, they're like, hey, bed's over there, food's in the corner. Yep, just like home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) When morning comes around, you all can gather back up. The inn serves a really basic breakfast. An oatmeal, probably. and you can hit the road. You are headed east. I need a survival roll from you all.
2: Oh good. I'm glad everyone else is helping.
1: Oh, I have a 3. I'm a little too stiff because those beds were really uncomfortable.
2: Oh, maybe I should have slept there.
1: <laughs> I got I got an 8.
2: An 8. I scored a 10. I'm still leader of the party. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So, you folks make it about a mile out of town. When it becomes apparent that there are some people off the path watching you from the bushes. There's about four of them, you think. And if they chose to attack you, you are not in a great position. But they appear to be eyeing you suspiciously. You don't spot them until you're basically right on them.
3: Are they trying to hide? Not
1: really,
0: but they are behind the bushes as if they would hide if they chose to.
1: Cirrus, wave your arms. It makes you look bigger, more intimidating. <laughs> I think I read that in a book.
2: <laughs> is there. Like, can I get a count? How many people can I see?
0: Yeah. Roll well, me perception real quick. You pick out four immediately. Fourteen. Fourteen. There's two more, actually. There's a total of six. There are four milling about on one side of the road, and two have taken up positions in trees.
2: Hmm. High positions in trees.
0: Yeah,
3: they're pretty high up.
2: I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll stop progress, right? Mm-hmm.
3: The lane says in an undertone, is it wise to
1: stop?
2: Is it wise to go?
1: I'd rather have them in front of us than behind us.
2: So to the right of us is the thorns. How far?
0: You haven't really gotten close enough to really see them, so they're at least a couple hundred yards out.
2: Let's... Why don't y'all stay back? 10, 15 paces.
1: All right. I'll do that.
0: I'll walk forward. When you get closer to them, one of the guys steps out from behind the bushes and gives you an up and down and says, you seen any centaurs out today?
2: Centaurs are on the the western side, it, so shouldn't be too many around here. You expecting them?
0: Uh, we were just sent out here to look, make sure they don't, you know, do whatever thing they're doing.
2: All right. No, we have not.
0: All right. Well, cool. He shouts up at the other guys and says, he says they're to the west. And you can see the two guys start to climb down from the trees and they have bows and arrows and start to head off. Your passive insight is a 10. These aren't militiamen. These are farmers.
2: Hmm. I hope your ambition grows.
0: <sighs> and they will they will wander off and let you be. As you start wandering, you get closer and closer to the thorns. I need another survival roll from everyone this time.
3: Is this just Turn. where the road takes place? I mean, it's just...
0: You're just following the road.
3: 16. 11.
0: A success, a failure, and how'd you do, Robert? 10. 10. Failure. All right. As you approach the Wall of Thorns, it's starting to get later in the day. You get a lot of walking in. It's about a day and a half along this road to get to the next town. You start to hear something off in the forest, a loud crunching of sticks. And then you can see lost in the trees, this wall of thorns. The thorns are, imagine blackberry thorns, only bigger and meaner. These things come up almost nine feet high and are just an impenetrable wall. They split a little bit and you see something stomp out of it. It's about a hundred yards away from you now but it's definitely big it looks like an elk almost except that it has lots of extra legs
3: it's
1: an (laughs) elkipede oh what the hell is that does it look aggressive
0: well at 100 yards away it appears to be sniffing the ground
2: let's continue on
1: do we want to try to be stealthy yes let us go quietly
2: sure we can try that
0: Everybody roll me stealth.
3: You've got full-scale armor, don't you?
0: <laughs> In fact, I do. If You have heavy armor, oh, you have disadvantage. God.
3: Time to change dice. Eighteen. Eleven.
2: Yep, I am wearing medium scale. I'm pretty sure it's scale. Give me a second. It does have disadvantage, though, but it is. It's medium. My low roll was a twelve. Okay.
1: Oh my god, you guys are so loud. <laughs>
0: and that wraps our story for today. Music by Todd Ferguson and My Pet Machine, logo by Juliet Elaborate Flight of Fancy, both available for your pleasure on Facebook. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you found this podcast. Tune in next time as our heroes challenge the beasts of the thorns and start their first job on carrots and suffering at the Indiana Odyssey.